New Vision is a church that places high value on Scripture. The Bible is made up of 66 books, and in this next portion, we're going to be going through a few of those books as a church family. We hope this tool encourages you and equips you to lead your life well. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, it's another New Vision podcast. You probably know why you're here. But if you're joining us for the first time, we're in Exodus chapter 16. My name is Cloud. I love reading and research and studying, and I hope this podcast helps you study the book of Exodus for yourself. But if you're just now joining us, a recap's good for everybody. We're in chapter 16. Up to this point, you're probably familiar with the story, but Israel had left Egypt. God brought them out of slavery. He brought them through the Red Sea. He brought them through that. He brought them through. He gave them fresh water, and then God comes through with food. We see all these obstacles yesterday, that obstacles, we can either make them more difficult than they need to be, or we can realize that God sometimes brings us into difficulties so that he can bring us out. And so yesterday we were in chapter 16, we left off with bread, it's falling from heaven, and the people are like, what is this? It's called manna. And so we're in Exodus 16. I'm actually start reading in verse 13, a little overlap from yesterday, and this is the ESV Bible. In the evening, quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine, flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. And when the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall take an omer according to the number of persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, Let no one leave any of it over till morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. Morning by morning they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. When all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till morning as Moses had commanded them and did not stink, and there were no worms in it. And Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it. But on the seventh, which is the Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you a Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. 
Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations, so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it, and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony be kept. The people of Israel ate manna forty years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. So where we were yesterday, we were identifying with, at least trying to identify with Israel. And this is, you know, an agrarian culture. You got to raise your food. You got to put food on the table. It's a lot of work. And so to try to identify, with, I mean, you know, food and water, those are potential problems. And like we said yesterday, you know, it can be an obstacle that we make worse or we can trust that God's going to provide, but that doesn't mean it's not a potential problem. But the more we study this text and, and other parts of the Bible, there's something else going on here, and we need to talk about that. And that's the first point I wrote is that our problem is not really a food problem. Our problem is thinking that our greeds are really our needs. Our greeds are really our needs. That's our problem is that in essence, you know, the Israelites... Yes, we identify with them, but from God's perspective, they had nothing to complain about. You know, they weren't actually running out of food. Um, like we said, this could be a potential problem or an actual problem. And then right now, it was a potential problem, not an actual problem. In fact, in the next chapter, you know, we see that this wasn't even true. They were not running out of food. In the next chapter, they talk about, hey, we need water to feed our livestock in 17 verse 3. And so obviously, they had flocks and herds. So they could drink milk, they could make cheese, and if necessary, they could eat meat. So they were not starving. And I think this is very illuminating in studying this text. Uh, see some cross-references to Psalm chapter 78. The, the author of that psalm, it's going over the, the, the course of history of Israel and how God has you know, provided for them and, and how they've continuously rebelled. And in Psalm 78, verses 17, the writer says, quote, Yet they sinned still more against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They tested God in their heart by demanding the food they craved. They tested God in their heart by demanding the food that they craved. So this is implying, okay, here's what's going on in Exodus. It's not that they needed food for essential survival. What they really wanted was that they wanted some sort of tasty, you know, goodness from Egypt. And they were, they were really confusing what they wanted with what they needed. And that's often the source of our discontent is thinking that our greeds are our needs. And this is pretty evident from their reaction to how God provides for them. Because we've heard, you know, manna, we've heard that for years in church, or you've heard that before, you know, manna, oh, it's, it's bread from heaven, God's providing but literally in the Hebrew, it means what their response to it was, and that is, what is it? And so, you know, I don't know if you're a parent or you had kids. Certainly, we're all children at some point, and we've experienced this kind of reaction. You know, a parent lovingly creates something for it's like, hey, here's your dinner, honey. Uh, what is it? Like <laughs> this kind of what is that, you know, with your nose curled up, that's not a good thing. Right. And so, you know, their first reaction is pretty telling that it's like, Hey, this isn't like the meat buffet that I had in Egypt. This stinks. And, you know, 
I'm kind of looking at this from our American first world context, but you know, reading about what manna is, it certainly it tasted good. God provided. I don't want to demean God's provision for His people, but if you think about, all right, wherever you're sitting, what you had for breakfast, what you had for lunch, what you had for you know, think about the meal that you had today, and then compare it to this: morning dew, coriander seed, honey wafers. And then multiply that. You have that every day for 40 years. You want to have some like honey graham cracker wafers for 40 years. I mean, that's probably not all they ate. But from our context, we can see that that's that's probably that's kind of getting going to get monotonous. And I and so let's think about that. Well, isn't that kind of insulting to God? Like, look, I provided for you. This is bread from heaven. This is a miracle. And it's like, what is that? I don't want to eat that every day. Like. Really? Like God's provided for you through this miracle. Would you really rather be in slavery in Egypt? And so this is something really evil that's going on. And let's let's not be quick to write ourselves out of this picture because I was trying to think of an illustration for, you know, how I do this in my life. I think we all do this. Uh, but you could ask my wife, like, hey, we get out of church on Sunday and it's like, oh, you, man, I'm starving. I'm so hungry. You're not starving. You ate like an hour ago. All right. Well, all right. You want to get something to eat? Let's get something to taste it. Hey, all right. Let's go get something to eat. Hey, how about this restaurant? Nah. How about this place? Nah. How about this place? Nah. It's like, really? Uh, you you don't have a need problem. You have a greed problem. It's not up to your, your standards for what is tasty and delectable. That not every meal has to be, you know, this, this delicacy from Egypt. And so, we are are kind of like that in our lives, and that food is just something that's really visceral. That's an example that we can all really relate to, and is that our greeds can become our needs, and getting that confused. And a second one, really quickly, we you know this section in this chapter about the Sabbath, it really shows us that our problem is not a food problem. Our problem is a God problem. Our problem isn't a food problem. Our problem is a God problem. In other words, we want to be God and we're not, and that's our problem. And so we saw this yesterday in the verses seven through eight. We didn't comment on it, but you know they're grumbling and, and taking all their frustrations on Moses and Aaron, and they say, "Well, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord." And so when they're they're coming at Moses, what they're really doing is you know committing mutiny against God. The God He saved them, the God who saved them out of Egypt, and. And he, he loves them, and now they're rejecting him really quickly. And so, uh, they, in fact, they wish they were dead. Better to be in Egypt in slavery. Really? Okay. So, um, in essence, this is a really harsh thing to see, but it's like and that the way they're reacting right now, it's, it's almost like they're saying, hey, I wish I'd never been saved. I wish I'd never been saved. And none of us, I don't think any of us would ever say that, but deep down, if we're really honest and we take that inventory – Maybe our hearts might show that we're living more like that than we think. I wish I'd never been saved. You know, our our attitude towards God is no, like, you know, just kind of it's really evil, honestly. You know, we have a God problem. Even as Christians, we can go through our lives and, you know, you know, parallel that to the, you know, whatever God has brought you through, all these different obstacles. You know, for the Israelites, it's like, hey, the Red Sea, oh, he saved them. Oh, he kills your enemies. Oh, cool. Thanks. Hey, I'm out of water. Oh, he provides water. Hey, free food. Check it out. Cool. It's like as a Christian, we, we say to ourselves, man, I, God, I know you're going to provide. I know you're going to provide. It's just, I don't think I'm going to like it. I know you're going to provide. I just won't like it. In other words, I want to be God and I want to do it my way. 
And we see this through their reaction to the Sabbath because, you know, God's pattern in Genesis 2 is he created the earth. That's who God is. He's the opposite of everything that Pharaoh had done. You know, you got to work and be a slave every day of the week. And here God is saying, I created the earth and the heavens and, you know, taking Sunday off. And, you know, that's a day of rest. You didn't get that when you're under Pharaoh and I'm providing for you. Not only... I mean, think about in an agrarian culture how much effort and how much work it takes to provide food. And here God is saying, you don't have to work for it. What is that pointing to? What's the bread that you don't have to work for? That's Jesus. And then on the seventh day, that also points to Jesus. We have our ultimate eternal rest in him. And here in Exodus 16, the people are doing every time, no matter what God says, they're doing the exact opposite. The six, hey guys, the six days of the week you're supposed to gather, don't hoard. Well, they hoard their stuff. All right. You're supposed to be working and you're trying not to work on the other days. You're hoarding your stuff. And that's why the manna is going bad and stinking. And then God's like, all right, on the seventh day, you're supposed to rest. So on the sixth day, when you gathered more than what you would have needed, that's going to keep and, you, and I'll provide for you. You don't have to work. So it's like, hey guys, work, but don't hoard. They do the opposite. Hey, guys, you need to rest. Then they do the opposite and start working. And so no matter what they do, they do the opposite. It's showing that we want to be God. Our problem is not a food problem. Our problem is that we have a problem with God. God is God and we're not. And I think this is super practical to close us out. That last part of the chapter where it's like, hey, God's telling Moses and Aaron, hey, take a sample of the manna, put it in a jar and put it in the Ark of the Cut, like, you know, we skip over that like it's not auxiliary detail, but it's a big deal because it's it's God's being like, hey, don't forget this manna. Put this in the ark, what would be the future ark of the covenant, where which represents God's presence. It's it's God wanting them to remember, and he wants us to remember that God, his presence always comes with his provision. God in his presence comes with provision, and how he miraculously provided for them for 40 years is a picture of something bigger. God wants to call us out to draw us in so that we can be in his presence, and that comes with provision. We should never forget that. And so I hope that encourages you. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you. We've gone a little long today, but Father, I pray that this would encourage people and to dig into the word for themselves, but to, to maybe take stock of your Holy Spirit, will you show us where our sin is and where we're not trusting you, where we're fighting you on your presence and your provision. I pray that you would encourage us as through Christ and that we have our ultimate rest and bread in you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Y'all have a good week or a good day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow as we hop back into God's Word.